The reading is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 28, beginning to read at verse 1. Once, safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood and, as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer. For though he escaped from the sea, the goddess Justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us into his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went to see him, and after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. They honoured us in many ways. And when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies we needed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you for reading that. Uh, Should we pray together as we come to God's word? Our Lord Jesus, you are strong and kind, and in a hundred ways, each of us uh, separately and together, we need your strength and we need your kindness. And so we ask you once again, would you speak to us in your word? Would you uh, change us as we need? Would you work in us uh, with power and with kindness uh, for our good and for Jesus' glory? Amen. If you're here a couple of weeks ago, uh, you may remember Paul uh, started his sermon with a question. He asked, how would you feel if after the service someone came up to you and said, I want to come to your house for lunch, please? And uh, we, we thought about that, we talked about that. Uh, I'm going to flip it around and ask the opposite question today. And uh, you might want to think about this, or if you're near someone or, or with someone, you might want to talk uh, with them. Uh, how would you feel if someone came to you after the service and said, I come for lunch today? Uh, come to our house for lunch. Uh, things are ready. Uh, would you come, please? We'd love you to. Uh, have a think. Have a chat. Uh, for a minute or so, uh, how would you feel? What would you do? What would you say? Uh, let me interrupt you there. Let me interrupt you there. And uh, I wonder uh, what you would make of that. Uh, you might be thinking, well, it depends who it is that's asking. You know, do I know them? Uh, you know, if I asked you, you might be worried I'm just going to feed you a very large bag of crisps and uh, send you on your way. It might depend who it is. Uh, you know, how well do you know them? Uh, how well do they cook? Um, it might be that you think, actually, I'd, I'd much rather that than to be on the other end of it. I'd much rather just have the invite. Brilliant. It might be that for some of us, many of us, uh, especially the adults, we're thinking it's a slightly awkward position to be in. Uh, and there might be things that make it hard for us to receive hospitality, especially if it's slightly spontaneous. Maybe it is, in that sense, we don't want to admit a vulnerability. We don't have to admit that actually there is a need we have, whether it's a, a physical, practical need that we need uh, food, we need shelter, 
whether it's that we just don't want to admit that I didn't have anything else planned. And actually, it'd be lovely to see someone, but I don't quite want to admit that because it makes me feel a bit vulnerable. Maybe it's that we don't want to feel uh, in debt. Uh, and you know that phrase that uh, you'll, have, you'll have heard, maybe you'll have said it uh, as you're sort of walking out of someone's door, you've, you've been to someone's home and you find coming out of your mouth, uh, we must have you over sometime. And at its best, that phrase is, um, oh, it's been wonderful. We'd love to carry this on. We'd love to keep it going. We'd love to, you know, some more time like this. At its worst, that phrase, we must have you over sometime. It feels like now there's some, some debt. We need to repay you. Uh, you've paid us something. You've given us something. And now we must have you over and repay the debt that we're in. Maybe it's not wanting to feel vulnerable. Maybe it's not wanting to feel indebted. We can find it hard to receive hospitality. But in our story, as I said earlier, we see Paul, and Paul received hospitality. Paul received hospitality. And in what we read, what we had read on the island of Malta, he received hospitality in these kind of extreme situations. You know, his, his ship sunk, the provisions have been lost. They wash up on the, the beach, not knowing what will happen next, and they receive hospitality. They receive this fire that the islanders build for them. They uh, receive uh, food and a home from Publius, the official. They receive the supplies they need for the next leg of their journey. In this sort of extreme moment, and you might think, well, yeah, if, if my life was on the line, I might be more willing to receive. But actually for Paul, this was just normal. Not to be shipwrecked, but to receive hospitality was, was normal. If we'd read on just a handful of verses more, eventually they finish their journey, they make it to Rome, and there we found some brothers and sisters who invited us to spend a week with them. At Paul, his job, he was commissioned by Jesus to, to travel and to preach about Jesus, and his life was one of depending on receiving hospitality from others. Wherever he went, he needed a place to stay, he needed food to eat, he needed people to uh, share time with. I wonder how uh, we would cope in a situation where our regular experience was to depend on others for hospitality. But it was Paul's experience, and he received hospitality. But in this uh, little uh, story on the island, it's more pointed than that. He didn't simply receive hospitality. He received hospitality from barbarians. Uh, he received hospitality from barbarians. That's, uh, it's translated here, the islanders, which is sort of a, a fairly polite translation. Uh, another way of uh, putting it, other translations, the, the word used is barbarians. And in the culture of the day, sort of stories were told. You know, some of the, the great uh, Greek stories that uh, people have heard of and probably never read. Uh, I certainly haven't. But um, I learned this week that in those stories, very often, uh, there's sort of this set scene where the heroes get washed up on a beach after a shipwreck and they meet the barbarians and that means trouble's coming. That means run for your life. Uh, you know, sort of the, the cartoon images we have of cannibals where they sort of, you know, uh, grab people and put them on that stick and carry them to the, to the campfire. That's sort of what you're meant to imagine when he washes up on the beach and the barbarians showed us unusual kindness. Paul received hospitality from barbarians. And actually, that's uh, he's following there Jesus' instructions to his disciples, to his followers. 
Jesus, uh, earlier in, in uh, the Gospels, in, earlier in the Bible, he had told his disciples, when you go out and when you're, you're there to, to minister and to preach uh, about the kingdom and to preach about me, uh, don't take a lot of stuff with you. You don't need to take a lot of supplies and have, you know, sort of uh, three months uh, worth of uh, food and, and things in your, you know, army, army ration bags or whatever it would be. Uh, don't take much with you. I want you to go and I want you to depend on hospitality from the people you meet. They may not be part of God's people. They may not be Christians. They may not follow me. But I want you to go and I want you to depend on them. Because there's a danger as Christians. We get used to thinking we have something that other people need. And that is true in that we have Jesus. And in him there is forgiveness and adoption and new life and a new start, and a new future to look forward to. A thousand reasons, as we sung earlier, to thank him. A thousand blessings found in him. But there's a danger if we get used to thinking we have something that others need, that we start to think we are what others need. And Jesus wants his disciples to go needy. And so when they travel, or when uh, Paul lands on Malta, sort of, you know, spluttering up salt water as he's just uh, made it off this ship, the gospel doesn't arrive in power on Malta. It arrives in weakness. It arrives in humility. It arrives in neediness. Because Jesus wants the people on Malta to know that Paul has Jesus, but nothing else. It's not that he in himself is impressive or clever or strong or or well provided for. No, he needs them. He's a, a normal, weak human being who's found Jesus, but has nothing else. And for everything else, is dependent on those around him. Uh, Paul receives hospitality from uh, barbarians because Jesus wants the gospel to go with weakness, not in power. Uh, Last week, I uh, sent a text to one of our mission partners, uh, a family from uh, this church who are in another country, hoping there to to meet people who don't know Jesus and to to speak of him with them. And I sent a message saying, have there been any times you can think of when uh, you've depended on those that you're now living with and hoping to minister to and hoping to serve. And it was about 20 minutes later, I got a pretty long message like, uh, yeah, we we can think of some examples. Let me just uh, read you two. Um... Uh, one time, our, uh, one of our kids uh, cut uh, their knee, and mum went to look for something to stop the bleeding. And while she was gone, an old lady scooped up the kid in her lap, stroked her hair, and gave her roasted peanuts she'd just prepared on her charcoal fire. The kid stopped crying and felt so loved by this act. Uh, another time, on two occasions, actually, after a hospital visit or after surgery, there was a steady stream of unannounced visitors to our house, bringing hot food and wanting to sit and hear about what had happened. And, you know, that message, other examples in that message, and then it ends by saying there are more that we could uh, tell. And that family could have come with a stance of, we don't need you. We're here to help you. We're here because you need us. You know, we come from a place, we have the NHS. We ha- we've come with this organization that sent us. We have backers, we have provisions. We don't need you. That's the stance they could have come with. But instead they've come saying, we have Jesus and we'd love to share him with you. But when our kids are hurting, we need a kindly old lady to scoop her up and feed her peanuts. 
When we've been to hospital, we need people to bring us food and sit with us and talk with us. We need you. That's the stance they've come with. Not we're better than you, but we need you. And we'd love to share Jesus with you. Paul uh, was willing to receive hospitality from barbarians. He didn't think that would make the gospel look weak. He didn't think that would make Jesus look weak. He was willing to look weak so that Jesus would shine. I wonder for us, are there groups, are there individuals, are there relationships where we are slightly standoffish, where we don't want to be properly open, properly exposed, because because I'm a Christian and, and she isn't or he isn't or they aren't, and so I want to appear like I've got things together, because surely that's what Christians should be like, that's how Christians should present, that's what people should see when they look at a Christian, it's someone who's sorted. Otherwise, how could I possibly invite them to say there's something worth having in Jesus? And the example of Paul would be, no, we can need others. We can depend on others. We we do, let's admit it. We can show that. We can receive hospitality. For Paul, it's from barbarians. For us, it could be anyone. Paul received hospitality from barbarians. And uh, last thing to observe in this little story, uh, Paul uh, received hospitality from barbarians who became family. Barbarians who became family through this uh, receiving and giving and sharing of hospitality. You see, for Paul, in his time on Malta, he was receiving hospitality, but that wasn't at all passive. Uh, When they were building the fire, the reason he got bitten by that snake was because he was helping sort of gather in the branches and, you know, this uh, snake popped out of the bush and clamped onto his hand. Later on, when they're at Publius's house and uh, receiving hospitality there, uh, we read, he welcomed us to his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. His father was ill in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of those who were on the island who came, uh, who were ill, came and were cured. So Paul, he's, he's receiving hospitality, he's depending on them. But it's not like he's, you know, sort of in the uh, recliner chair with his legs up, sort of, you know, bring me some more peeled grapes, please. He's active. He's serving. He's part of the family. The sort of custom was in these days that uh, this sort of giving and receiving hospitality and, uh, you know, sort of um, uh, you're building a fire and I'm contributing some sticks and you've had me in my home and I've healed your father-in-law, thanks very much, and, uh, you know, you're providing us with the provisions we need. This sort of back and forward... It would cement these groups together as family. It's sort of like in a, in a wedding. You get this sense, you know, these uh, two people have been married, and now there's something the families have mixed. The families have been joined together through these two. Something of that. There's this family bonding that happens through the giving and receiving, through the sharing of hospitality. And so Paul, he, he pitches in like we do in family. It's not that he's sort of trying to pay them back for what they've done. This is how family works. Everyone pitches in. And so he's part of that. Now for them, it was sort of, it almost became this formal relationship that they became family together. And, you know, the sort of obligations that came with that. For, for us, probably, it wouldn't be that formal. But can we think of hospitality as a thing that makes us family together? What would that mean if, if we're receiving hospitality, if we're in someone's home, if they've invited us in? What might it mean to go and not just think, well, I'm a guest. 
I'm here to be served. I'm here to receive. But to think, by this, I've, in a sense, I've become part of the family, part of the household. I belong here. What, how might that change our attitude? Maybe it means that if there are kids or teenagers at the table, we make sure we're, you know, we're chatting with them. We're part of the family. Not ignoring them, leaving them, just talking to the, the adults. Maybe it's uh, to, to pray. I remember this is um, a few years ago, but it stuck in my uh, head vividly. We uh, had some, uh, some people over for a meal together, uh, uh, my wife and I, I think, before we had kids. And um, at the end of the night, uh, they were on the doorstep, and uh, one of them just said, can we pray for you? And I didn't give us a chance to say yes or no. Uh, sort of, there were, there were hands on our shoulders, and they were praying for us uh, for a couple of minutes, and then they walked off into the night. And we felt so touched by that. Here they were, not just sort of passively receiving, but they, they loved us. They wanted to bless us. Maybe it is that you're in someone's home and you see, here's a way I could muck in. Here's a job that needs doing. On the flip side, if we are receiving people, if we're showing hospitality to others, they're in our home, are we willing to take the step beyond seeing them as a, as a guest to seeing them as family? Here's one test. When someone says, can I help with the washing up? What do you say? What do you think? What do you feel? I heard a yes there. Uh, there we are. And there's a time to think, no, no, we want to treat you as an honored guest. We want to serve you. That can be a great gift to someone. But sometimes the greater gift is to say, we consider you part of the family. We're comfortable enough with you here that, yeah, you can help with the washing up. And if you put things in the wrong cupboards, we'll live with that. Paul, he received hospitality from barbarians who became family through this giving and receiving through this sharing. And that's Paul's story. One last thought before uh, we sing together again. Uh, Paul received hospitality from barbarians. Uh, Ultimately, as you read uh, the book of Acts, Paul received this hospitality from Jesus. It was from Jesus. Uh, In the previous chapter, uh, they're they're on a ship, and this storm comes in, and they've been in the storm for days, and uh, everyone's starting to fear, will they uh, perish at sea? Will they lose their life? Are they going to throw people overboard to kind of so that others can survive? It's getting pretty desperate, pretty grim. And uh, uh, we read this. After they'd gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Paul has this promise from Jesus. In the midst of the storm, in the midst of the chaos, an angel comes to him and says, you have to get to Rome because I want you there to preach in the the heart of the empire and I'm going to get you there. I promise. And I wonder how Paul would have liked that promise to play out. Uh, That's great. Can we just stop the storm? Jesus, you you have a, a line in that. Can we just stop the storm? I've seen you do it before and we'll just sort of happily sail on. That'd be nice. That's not how Jesus is planning to do it. Jesus plans to use a shipwreck and this sort of mob of barbarians and uh, Publius and protection from the snake and, you know, the the crisps that they load them up with at the end of the, the stay on the island. That's Jesus' plan. 
may not be what Paul would have chosen, what he would have planned. But having received this promise, Paul is able then to see all of that as coming from the hand of Jesus. And as he sees a barbarian reach into the bush and grab sticks to put on the fire, Paul sees in that the hand of Jesus providing for him. And as Publius opens the door and lays food on the table, Paul is able to see in that the hand of Jesus providing for him through all of these different means, all of these different situations and scenarios, the hand of Jesus providing for him. And now we don't have a promise that we will get to Rome. And after the year we've had, a city break seems a little unlikely. But uh, we have a promise from Jesus that he'll bring us home. Home to him, home to a new creation, home to a feast, to enjoy his hospitality for eternity. That's the promise we have from Jesus. And who knows what hands he might use to get us there whose hands he might use to provide for us. But in all of it, we should be able to see the hand of Jesus as he provides for us to bring us home. In every gift, from whatever source, through whatever channel, the hand of Jesus is reaching to us, leading us, feeding us, providing for us, bringing us home.